Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Welcome. It is good to see you this Saturday night. It's great to have all of you here. And uh, I want to take a moment and welcome those of you that are guests. It's a huge honor to have you here with us on the Saturday night. And uh, if you'll take a moment and um, um, look in front of you, there should be a connection card and fill that out for us. We'd love to be able to send you information about the church. We promise you we're not going to show up at your house or anything like that. Um, We just want to be able to connect with you and send you some information about the church. And if you'll take that connection card and drop it off at the information center on your way out, they'll give you uh, a gift card to a great restaurant here in town. So um, you get a a meal on us. So thank you so much for being here. Um, A lot of you may have not been here a few weeks ago when we announced that um, it's really bittersweet news for all of us here. We love Pastor Keith and Rochelle Henderson, and uh, they've been our worship pastors really from day one here at the church. And um, he is, uh, the Hendersons have been friends of mine for over 20 years. I've known them. We knew each other in Houston, worked together, and they moved here to help us start the church. And uh, as I shared a few weeks ago, they have felt a call to move uh, back to Malaysia as missionaries. And uh, um, on one side, I'm, I'm excited for them for this new adventure. On the other side, I'm really sad because I love them so much. And this next weekend is going to be their last weekend with us here at the church. And we, we want to honor them and um, we want to bless them. And we're going to be receiving a special offering for them next weekend. And I want to encourage you. You know, I, I shared this a few weeks ago that a lot of us don't really realize the sacrifices they made the early years of this, of this church. And they served, Rochelle served as our kids pastor for 10 years, basically with no pay. Pastor Keith worked a lot of different jobs to help start this church. And so what you see around you is because of the sacrifices. And they've taken a huge step of faith as they move overseas as missionaries. And I want us as a church to bless them with an incredible offering. So I pray that every single one of you will pray and just listen to whatever God asks you to give. And if you are not going to be here next weekend, you can give online. Go online and there's a, you'll see a special place that you can designate it for the Hendersons. So... Thank you so much for your generosity. I, you know, I, I love them so much, and I want them to be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be praying for them. They've got a lot that needs to happen, their visa and all kinds of different things that are happening as they're trying to get ready to leave. And so we just want to surround them with our love. Amen? Um, one last thing very quickly I want to mention. If you are new to the church, uh, tomorrow at 1230, we are having Discovering Creekwood. And um, it's, it's a class that we have here for those of you that are new that are wanting to get connected. And you're like, man, I love this place and I really want to get connected. I want to find out more about the church. And we have this class. Lunch is provided and it's here at the church. You can go online and sign up for this class. And uh, if you'll do that for us, it will really help us out a lot to, to know who all is going to be here. Well, I want to get right into our teaching. And, you know, we have been having so much fun in this marriage series, Right. It's been a lot of fun. Some of you have been a little nervous. I know I got in a lot of trouble last week weekend because I said sex about 20 billion times. And some of you are like, is Pastor Stephen going to say that one more time? And like, I, I'm going to try not to say it too many times tonight. So, um, but, you know, I love talking about relationships. I love, to, I love helping people 
uh, with their relationships and with their marriage. You know, I believe that marriage was, was God's idea and that most of us here have never really been taught what marriage is supposed to look like and really having a vision and a strategy for what it should look like. And the Bible is so full of just great wisdom for all of us on how to do relationships and how to do marriage the right way. And it's so easy to look at all the world, look at our culture, look at music, and look at movies, and we start to form our ideas of what we consider how it's supposed to work. And most of us have really believed some lies about it, and we've, we've seen firsthand our marriages and our relationships blow up. And so part of why we do a, a series like this as a church is we want to help draw you back to what the Word of God says. Because I believe that if you do it God's way, it just goes so much better for you in your life. And I want to start off tonight by reading a scripture to you in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this, uh, and we'll read in verse 3 through 8. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Man, if you just stopped right there and if you applied that to your marriage, wouldn't it be huge? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to talk to you tonight, um, and I want you to, to kind of go with me a moment and think about how, and one of the things we've been having a lot of fun with is just how relationships through the years have changed and how we've, how in the past, you know, we used to make mixtapes and we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, I've said this every week and I believe that this generation that we're living in does not realize how hard it was to be in a relationship just a few years ago. Like for instance, how many of you remember, and those of you that, that kind of were born in the nineties, you don't probably remember what it was like not to have a cell phone. We didn't have a cell phone. Nobody had a cell phone. In fact, it was a big deal. How many of y'all remember when a pager or a beeper came out? <laughs> like you were, isn't it true that back in the day only like doctors at first had them? And then the, the, the pagers or the beepers, I said beeper to a, one of the guys tonight and he's like, what's a beeper? I saw this picture. It's kind of funny. A lot of y'all know Dr. Monty. Um, he, he, we got a picture right here. This is Dr. Monty and Bianca. And I saw this picture on Bianca's Facebook page. And you see it right there, Dr. Monty's got his pager, his beeper on. Back in the day, it was a big deal. Only doctors had them. Y'all remember when you got one? Like your hip kind of stood out like this. Because you're like, I remember my wife got one for work. 
And it was a big deal. I'm not kidding. Her, she was walking around the house. Hey, you going to page me? Come on. <laughs> there wasn't no texting each other. Like the closest thing you could do is like send like, like hello upside down. <laughs> and you were like, boy, I just got a text. Hello. <laughs> it wasn't easy to get connected. Like before we, there were cell phones and beepers. Like you think about like, how many of y'all remember when like we didn't have cordless phones? And your mama had to go to Kmart and buy the longest cord in the world because <laughs> you didn't want your parents listening to what you're saying. And, and somebody would call and you'd pick up the phone and you had this, this cord that was like 20 miles long and you'd pull it and you'd stretch it all over the house and you'd be talking like, come on, stretch it over here. How many of y'all remember when the, the, one, the, the, the next one came out that was cordless and it had an antenna on it? And it was kind of like this mechanical ring that it had. And you're sitting there in your living room and your phone rang and, and you're like, excuse me. And you picked up the phone and it was, it was hanging on, sitting on the thing. You pulled, you pulled the antenna out, right? And you walked around the house and you were talking and you were somebody. You got off the phone, you went and you stabbed your little brother with it, putting it back in there. <laughs> How do I know? Because I was the one, the little brother that got stabbed all the time. You know, my older brother's like, come here, Steven, bring. It's like... But you think about like how it's changed and, and now, I mean, we're, we're texting each other. And, which, by the way, listen, if you get a girl's number, which back, back in the day, it was a big deal to get a girl's number, right? It, it took a lot of work. If you get a girl's Number, don't text her. Call her. And if you decide to text somebody, just this is just on the side. This has nothing to do with my message today. If you're texting and, and it's, it's a paragraph, delete it. Don't text me a paragraph. I don't have time to read a paragraph. But we text all this stuff, and, and it, we're living in a generation that doesn't even want to call people. We don't want to get on the phone. It's all, yeah, we're, we're going steady. Or what are the people, like, we don't say going steady anymore. I said French kissing last weekend, and Pastor Keith goes, nobody says French kissing. What is that? <laughs> like, we're going steady, or we're going out, but we, you haven't really talked. You're just texting. Or you're, how many of y'all remember, like, you used to be on the phone for hours? Like, I mean, you would talk and talk and talk and be on the phone, and it was just like a beautiful thing. You couldn't get enough, but it took a lot of work. And some of you have incredible stories about how your relationship started, and we can have a lot of, lot of fun talking about all the different things and how things have changed in, in our culture, and, and, but basically, it's still the same. We, we didn't have social media, and we didn't have cordless phones. We didn't have wireless phones. We didn't have, some of us dated when there wasn't beepers and all that stuff. But the bottom line is that every single person, no matter what generation you're from, is that you desire to be connected and to be loved. There's not a person that I know out there that goes into a relationship and says, I want to get married, and then like three weeks later, I want to be so miserable 
Like, I've never met the person that said, I want to get married, and in about six weeks or so, I want to, I want to become my spouse's worst nightmare. I know some of y'all are like, well, you don't know my spouse. <laughs> I mean, our culture has so much to say about this. I love what Rita Rudner says this. She says, I love being married. She says, there's nothing better than committing to one person that you're going to annoy for the rest of your life. I like what Rodney Dangerfield said this, the comedian. He says, my wife and I were happy for 20 years, then we met. <laughs> and and we, we want to be connected. We want, but man, it, isn't it a reality? It's just like, it's just like, you know, you meet somebody that just got married and, and they're all excited and they're all in love and you're like, just wait. <laughs> you, got, you got a sparkle about you, but just wait. And something happens along the way that, that it just, you know, our relationships start to lose the wonder and, and, and uh, that's something special. And don't you sometimes just sit around and think about what in the world happened to us? Because we used to page each other. We used to call each other. We used to want to be around each other all the time. Now we got married and something happened. And you can't put your finger on it. You can't figure it out, but you don't have the same, like, it's not the same. And what, one of the things, and, and I, I know we can talk a lot about a lot of reasons why there's some dynamic, something happens in our relationships, and you see it, it's just, it's just a part of life. We start to believe that, you know, it's just, you're... When you're dating and you're all excited about it and there's, man, you're, you're just chasing each other, you're pursuing each other, you can't get enough of being around each other. And then once you get married, it's kind of like, okay, you know, we're bored a little bit, let's have kids or let's, you know, just, you know, um, and it just kind of evolves and you wake up and you are like, what happened to us? And one of the things that I believe that is so destructive to, that destroys the, the romance, destro- destroys that chemistry of, of, of that special thing that you have with that person that you've committed your life to, is I believe is that there is a unique thing that happens in all of us. All of us in our life have this, what I call, desires. We have this, this invisible box in our life of desires that we're carrying around and it starts way before you get married. In fact, every movie you watch, every relationship that you're in, you, you start to form all these desires that you want, and you have the desire that one day you're going to have a house like this. You're like, I want a big old house, and, and I can't wait till we get this really nice house. And that's one of your desires. Uh, uh, for some of you, it's, you know what? Um, my, my, my mom, she used to clean the house and keep the house so clean. And my desire <laughs> is that my wife, when I get married, one day when I get married, my wife's going to clean the house all the time. It's going to be awesome. One of my desires is, is, you know, my time, I, I you know, you think about your time as you know, like when, we, when we get married, when I get married, our, we're going to just be together all the time. We're just going to hang out. Or maybe you're like, you know what, 
when I get married, my time, it's like you're going to have your time, and I'm going to have my time, and I'm going to have my friends. You're going to have your friends, and we just kind of hang out in our own time, and we'll, we'll come together whenever we want. You've got your ideas, your desires about what you want in, with your time. For some of us, maybe you're thinking about this. Um, my house is kind of big. Okay. <laughs> um, you're, you're like, you know what? Some of you guys, you're like, I, I'm hoping when I get married, one of my desires, one of my dreams is that we're going to be financially able that I'll get a car like this one day. You desire this, but you're driving a minivan. <laughs> but you still are desiring this. Some of you men here, um, when you think about your wife and what you believe that she would not wear, <laughs> that she would, some of you are like, that's mine. <laughs> <It's> like, that's, <laughs> you were like, my wife's not going to wear a muumuu. <laughs> that your desire was that your wife would not wear this to bed. There's ladies in here that your desire was, well, he'll just love me for who I am. And just, he, he loves me so much, he wants me to be comfortable. But isn't it true that every man in here, this is what they want their wife to wear? Yes. <laughs> I held up nothing, because that's what men want. It's, y'all don't see it? Every man is like, I want my wife to come to bed naked. <laughs> That's the, somebody's getting revival over here. Am I preaching? But you, you know, you, you desire, you're like, we're going to have kids. And, and this may be the first year or we're going to wait five years. And these are all your desires that you have. And you carry these desires around and they're awesome. They're God-given desires. And you go and you walk down the aisle. And one of the things that happens, it's hard to know when this exactly happens. But there's a moment somewhere, whether it happens at the moment of your wedding or maybe after the honeymoon, somewhere what happens is you start to take what you desired and now it's moved over to expectations. And now it's, it's not the things that I desire anymore. These are my expectations and this is what I expect in the marriage. And now you're walking around and you're going, when you said, you promised, when you said I do, that you would meet my expectations. And you know, one of the, the, the fastest ways to kill, I believe, expectations are the killers of intimacy. Let me say that again. Expectation, expectations are the killer of intimacy. When this becomes about you owe me. See, when it was a desire, it was a dream, you were, you were living for, man, we're just, we love each other. And these are our dreams. And now it's like, if, you know, if, you're des- if your expectation is for a house, is that you're just waiting around for the house to happen. And you're like going, let's, when do you do it? And what happens is, 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 what you are doing is you're taking away, let me explain it like this, and I want you to follow me today. What happens is if your marriage is about expectations is that you're taking away your spouse's ability to love you. 
Because what happens is if they do these things, what, what, they're just back to zero. This is why there's, there's the romance and the, the intimacy is all gone because it's, it's you, you're always, you're never like feeling like this is something special that you did because these were some of my desires. No, this is why I expect what I expect from you and you did it and now you're back to zero. This is why some of you feel in your marriage, you're just like, well, I expected, you know, some of you men are in here that you're like, you know what, I expect my wife to have sex with me three times a week. Some of you ladies are like, what? You're getting nervous. Okay, two times. <laughs> some of you are like in a panic. But what happens is if you have that expectation, if, you, if that happens, you, you're taking away their ability to love you because you're just like, well, that's what I expected. You met my expectation, but it's nothing special. It's not special. It's, it's the same way, listen to me. You know, we all have electric bills, and, and, and your electric company has an expectation that you're going to pay the bill. Like, the, you know, if you pay your bill, the, the electric company doesn't call you and say, you know, we're so excited that you paid your bill. In fact, we're going to mail you two gift cards to the Cheesecake Factory because you paid your bill. The electric company doesn't do that. In fact, you don't really hear from them. They just send you a bill because the expectation is there. They expect you to. Now, if you don't pay the bill, you're going to get Probably a, 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 a letter. You know, you try to call the electric company. You can never get a person. You're going to get a recording. But you don't pay. You don't meet the expectations. What's going to happen? You're probably going to get a personal phone call from somebody. And this is the dynamic of what starts to destroy relationships. This is what, what happens when you go and you've got that that innocence, that beauty of, man, we love each other. We care so much about each other. We've got dreams for our life, and now our marriage is all about, I am so miserable because, listen, we all have desires, but when your desires become your expectations in a marriage, it starts to destroy it. Because your expectations are going to constantly change. Your expectations, again, will constantly move you into places that you'll take the heavy load of your expectations and you'll place them on your spouse. And one of the most damaging things that can happen in our marriage, if you want to write this down, one of the most damaging things that can happen in our marriage is when our desires become these expectations. And one of the things that happens is that in all of these expectations, what is in common is there's a big I. We all have, this is my expectations and this is your expectations. And what happens is, is each one of us is walking around with these, this is what I expect and you need to meet this. And you're not doing what I, this is all about you meeting my expectations. And what happens is this, what happens is, is, you take away your spouse's ability to love you, and after a while, you're like, you know what? I don't feel like I can get caught up. I'm always, I'm always right back at zero. You, 
ladies, you go clean, you know, go clean the house, or are you, uh, you know, you talk about time, or in, or men, you clean the house if you're a stay-at-home dad or whatever role you have. And it's it's this vicious cycle that you 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 keep coming back to this. It's like we're all about you better meet my expectations, and it's invisible, but it's there. It's because you've made the transfer. You brought it over. And what happens is sooner or later, those expectations start to collide. And what what starts to happen is in this collision, there's several things that we do. Number one, some of us just go, you know what? I cannot meet your expectations. It's one thing to have a desire, but the expectation, the load that you put on me, that this is what you want me to be, I'm just going to leave. It's not what I expected. I'm out of here. I'm going to pick up my box, and I'm going to put my bo- I'm going to pick up my box. And what happens? And this is why some of you are in your second or third or fourth marriage, and it's starting to feel the same way because you're carrying around this box of expectations, and you're looking for somebody to meet all those expectations, and nobody can do this. And and again, this is this is. Listen, the number one reason for divorce is disappointment. Wrong expectations are the problem. The other thing that sometimes is a killer, and this is what happens when, they, when two expectations come together and they collide, is the stronger partner wins. The stronger, there's always in every relationship a dominant partner. Who's laughing? I'm not looking over there because you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Uh, uh, but what happens, there's a dominant partner that um, what happens is, it, is they, they are constantly pushing their expectations. They're saying, listen, our marriage is going to be like this because this is what I expect out of, this is the way I grew up. This is the way I grew up and my expectations and the dominant one will break down the other will constantly say, you know, this is what I expect. This is the, the, you know what, some of you, like, you, you, maybe this is just the way you are. You want a super clean house, okay? And you're, whichever, if it's the the, the husband or the wife, the one that stays home and the, the one that's out working or whatever, I know it looks a lot of different ways, but you, you, want, you want to come home to a, a super clean house. If your expectations is a clean house, man, what's going to happen? You are going to look for whatever's wrong. You're going to walk in the door and you're going to go, oh, everything looks, oh, babe, will you come over here? I know you can barely see this right here, but there is a little speck right here. There's a little speck right here. Why? Because this is my expectations. And it doesn't matter if they clean the house. Because what they do is they clean the house, you're right back at zero. You have taken away their ability to love you. Somewhere along the line, and, and, and again, this is a dangerous place, is that when you have a, one that is stronger than the other one, that they finally will get you to understand what a husband, a good husband or a good wife ought to do. That 
the dominant one or the, the, the one that manipulates the most in that relationship is going to break down the other person and get them to be who they want them to be. And what you don't understand is this, is that it's very easy for me to be me. I know that sounds really profound. (laughs) You're like, that's all you got? You should have studied more. It's it's very easy for me to be me. It's easy for my wife to be Thalissa. Do you know that it is hard for me to be Thalissa? And if Thalissa is wanting me to be like her with her expectations, what is it? It puts tremendous stress on me. And this is what happens is that that what, again, you, you get to a place that you finally say, okay, I'll do it your way. And a lot of people have checked out in relationships and marriages because they were like, finally, I just, you have worn me down with your, this is how you want our house run. This is what you want. These are all your expectations. And you have drilled that and I'll just give up. You, honestly, if you're the, the dominant one in the relationship, you honestly kind of start to go, you really, you re, really honestly start to think you've got a good marriage. You're honestly starting to feel like, you know what, we're kind of getting along, but what you don't know is the other person is not being themselves. And all they're about is trying to meet your crazy expectations. You know that, that when a relationship is all about you owe me and it's a debtor debt relationship where it's about you owe me this, you're, you're not going to have the romance. You're not going to have the intimacy. It's all about, well, here, here you go. Here's your little box of chocolate. Here's your little flowers. Oh, you want to go on a date? I guess we'll go on a date. That's your expectation. Why? Because I just got to get back to zero. And until you get this and you, you take this and you place this back into, in the, where it becomes beautiful is that it's not an expectation. These are our desires. See, an, another thing that happens real quick is, is we start to compromise and we just kind of go, well, you just do your thing and I'll do my thing. And, 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 and you know how you know when, when people are, are compromising and they're just kind of checked out in the relationship is they, they say this. They said, I'm concerned about our marriage. I'm kind of worried about our marriage. And the focus of your prayer request is not a person, it's the marriage. You know that the Bible never tells us to be, it never commands us to be committed to a marriage. It tells, the Bible tells us to be committed to a person. I don't want my wife being committed to our marriage. I want her to be committed to me. This isn't about just the, we just got to make the marriage, we got to compromise, we just got to make the marriage work. How empty is that? I want my wife committed to me. I want to be committed to her. I don't want to just be committed to, man, we're just trying to hold it together. We're just trying to be somehow compromising enough that we can be committed. I'm worried about my marriage. That's how you know. You're not committed to a person, you're committed to a marriage. And you can always go find another marriage. See, again, this, this, is, this is important for us to get to a place that we, you, you move beyond 
these expectations and you, you get to a place as the, and the Bible talks so much about, again, we talked about this the first week and about not so much about finding the right person, but becoming the right person where, where you begin to, to look at not that your spouse owes you something, but you get to a place that I, I believe one of the, the, the greatest places that you can get your marriage to is that you say, you know what? In my marriage, my spouse doesn't owe me anything. They don't owe me anything. And we both love each other and we both take care of each other, but this isn't about you owe me. This isn't about all these expectations. We all have God-given desires. But do you know what's beautiful is when you get to a place that both the individuals that are in that marriage are trying to meet each other's desires, not expectations, you'll go crazy in love. It's what you did when you were dating. You knew their desires, and you were seeking after their desires. You weren't trying to get them to be like you. And some of you right now, you're putting tremendous strain. In, you're, you married somebody that's opposite, and you're trying to make them you. They're not you. You, you start letting them be themselves and start serving each other. Start, I love what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, it simply is saying prioritize the other person's needs. Put the other person first. It says, verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the, as to the Lord. And I know our, our culture has made submission a nasty word. But it's basically just saying to us is that you need to prioritize the the needs of the other person. It says, uh, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Bottom line, what he's saying is for two, the man and the wife, to, to put prioritize the other person's needs over your own. But when it becomes about yourself and it becomes about you trying to get somebody else to do what you have as expectations, this, again, is, is, this wears you out. But when it's a beautiful thing that you say, you know what, I, I don't serve my spouse and I don't, I, I don't do what I do for my spouse because they deserve it or they're perfect, but I do it, as the Bible says, because of my relationship, this is the way Christ has loved me. Out of reverence to Christ, we submit ourselves to one another, and we, we, we work at trying to do everything we can. That This isn't about we're, we're trying to meet all these expectations. This is about us chasing after the desires of our heart. And see, there's a big difference between desires and expectations. And I think one of the, the, the biggest things that causes so much conflict in marriages is that we allow these desires to become expectations in our life. And I, I just, I, I want to encourage you today to, to, to begin to think about this for a moment. Imagine if you're, the expectations that are draining the life out of your marriage, you move them back to dreams and wishes. Imagine if you took your expectations and moved them back again to the desire, them being your desires, and both of you went after trying to fulfill those desires, but they weren't about this is what I'm expecting, and if you don't do this, I don't feel loved. 
You know, I, I believe that one of the most powerful things that all of us can do is, is really step back and say, you know what, we've been in a whirlwind and we've been trying to do this the wrong way. And begin to, to allow ourselves to get engulfed in, into what the Word of God says. See, the, the culture that we live in doesn't talk about humility. It doesn't talk about serving each other. See, when I serve you and, and I, I'm take care, taking care of my spouse, if, if I'm feeling like, well, I've got to do this because this is what she, they want me to do, it's like, again, it just it takes away your ability to love them. And I, I don't know where you find yourself in your relationship tonight, but as I close tonight, I, I pray that when you look at, at your, your relationship and your marriage, and I, I, again, you, you might go, well, I don't know what, what, it, what has become expectations in my marriage. Well, I, I would ask you, first of all, think about the things you're not grateful for anymore. Think about the things that your spouse does that you don't, you're not grateful for it. You just expect it. And make, I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing to do this is to take all of this junk out of those expectations and say, you know what, my desire is for us to have a great marriage and we're going to, we are, we are going to do our best to try to fulfill those desires and take care of each other. But if those, our, our marriage is not based on us meeting each other's expectations. This is about us loving each other and caring about each other and saying, you know what, man, I love you for who you are. And what happens is, is that, man, you automatically, or what you're doing is you're putting... Now, the load where it needs to be, and it is God's the one that transforms that person. You're not the one through your expectations trying to make them change. God's the one that transforms them. Would you bow your heads tonight as we pray? Father, I thank you for every person here, God, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. It communicates to all of us, God, the power of when we look at our own hearts, God. God, when we make life about us and about what we always want and what our expectations and we put that heavy load on other people, God, how destructive it is. God, would you create in all of us, God, a heart to serve. God, a heart to submit ourselves to one another. God, that we would all be free from feeling like we owe our spouse anything. And God, we would be free to enter into a, a love that it is this unconditional love. It's this love that brought us together, God. I pray for marriages and relationships that are here tonight that are struggling. I pray, God, that, man, that through this series, that, God, you restore people. God, that they're not just surviving, they're not just making it, but, God, they are thriving in their marriage, God. We thank you for this, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.